Hey, welcome back to the Johnny Eckloff podcast, episode two. I'm going to be talking a lot about um, exploring the, how do I put this into words, the God complex or uh, the elitist problems that that you face being raised a Mormon. Um, so let's jump into this. Hey, so welcome back to the podcast. Um, hopefully, I hopefully you are extremely upset at me and want to kill me. So that's that's what I hope. That's that's where the art lies, right? That's why that's why you keep coming back to me. Just keep wanting to build up all your reserves of ammunition that you can shoot me with or kill me with when you finally track me down and get me. Nah, I'm just kidding. But uh, it really is just un <laughs> unabridged, unbridled. So let's just get on this wild donkey and start kicking around with it. But I, I think it's interesting when, when this topic pops into my head. And I think it really is a human problem. It's not, not at all a Mormon, exclusive to Mormonism. And the way I look at Mormonism is that it's not a one it's a one stop shop for like trying to fix every human problem i i see it like they've tried to create a place where people can go to to get their therapy to get their meaning to get their purpose to get their friends to get their you know to get uh their connections to get their education i mean the way you see the world the way you view it your your place in it and one thing that humans have really been able to be manipulated with is elitism. And I think when a person is given some level of, you know, title or whatever, it's it's very it's very it, it I don't know. I've felt it. I've experienced this and that's why I feel like I want to talk about it is that I felt such a high level of honor, of like dignity, of worth, of just, I just was, I just was so filled with value when someone was like, you are the president of this. You are a district leader. You know, that's a a term for the Mormon missionary thing. They have their own little, their, their own little hierarchy and they, they really like hierarchies. And that was what Joseph Smith really, I think his genius really came uh, down to was that he, everyone was like, how are you doing this? And he says, I teach people correct principles and let them govern themselves. What I see that now is like, oh, that's totally, totally what he figured out is that not teach people correct principles. I give people a sense that they're better than other people. And then they govern themselves. I give them all effectively lab coats and tell them they're all scientists now. And now you're out there in a lab coat making observations on the rest of the world that doesn't apply to you anymore because you have a lab coat on. You don't need to put yourself in the same world that you're studying. You are now 
you are now good. You're, you're set. You're hooked up. I hooked you up and now you can go about the world judging it and observing it and affecting it as someone that's not, that's not in the same, the same world. It's, it, we are now observers of something that we are bigger than. And you put someone in a position of power, of leadership, and it's remarkable. Uh, it's remarkable what can happen to the human psyche. And I, I, I don't know if psyche is the right word, but the human brain, I should just say, before I throw out these big terms, is um, I want to be educated. I'm just not super you know, yet. I'm not a doctorate. I don't have a doctorate in things. And I, and I really would love to be that educated one day. That would just be so cool for me. But I'm not there yet. So I'm going to act my, uh, my, my level of education. I'm going to be just mature about (laughs) that. Anyway, so now that I went into this big spiel, um, so I am talking about lab coats. And there was a study I I learned about. And there's a person, I don't know what study it is or where, maybe some of you guys have heard of the study, but they, they put people in a room and they were conducting a study, but the people didn't even know what the study was for. But they gave, I think they gave someone in the room, just one or two people in the room, like a clipboard or, or a lab coat. I can't remember, or both. Anyway, there was just some small, subtle distinction that elevated the person, one of the people, or maybe two, but fewer than the rest, um, a position of of perceived power. And then they were just left to themselves because they didn't know what they were being studied for. And so they were all trying... Sorry. Oh, excuse me. Oh, my God. They were trying to figure this out. So anyway... What happened is that it just it just devolved into like this you know dictatorship or whatever. So the person with the clipboard ends up becoming like this really power hungry person that is trying to control the other people in the room. Anyway, so I think I think for some people, for some people, elitist uh, elitism just just is really works really good in a terrible way for and other people could care less and i think that's where you get the the term often coined by mormons and ex-mormons alike leadership roulette you're basically playing the roulette of your leadership in your in in the church right so the normal folk that go and that are asked to be free labor <laughs> pastors to work 20 plus hours a week and their job, and have a lot of kids, and have, you know, a a healthy, thriving, strong marriage, and all these other amazing things, and and put themselves through school, whatever, whatever crazy shit that they're already supposed to be expected, they're supposed to be expected to be a free labor pastor for the next five years, or nine years, depending on these ridiculous, uh, whatever. So anyway, but these are these are just like the leaders, right? So this is leadership roulette. And so when you get when you get a bad leader, he's there for five years, or he's there for nine years, and there's nothing you can do about it but figure out how to love him. And you're like, holy shit, this is 
not okay. You know, you, you're better off like moving away than dealing with that shit for the next nine years, you know? So I think the, the leadership roulette definitely um, shows that we are all not created equal when it comes to people that are obsessed with power and other people that could take it or leave it. And so, but I really think that there are plenty of people out there that want to be, you know, in power. And, and so when, <laughs> when you're given this, this idea, right, and, I, and this bleeds over into the, into the Jesus concept, into Jesus as an archetype um, in this whole scheme, you know, of like what happens to people when they're told that they're wonderful, What's what happened from birth, right? Like you're wonderful. It's like, yes, yes, I am wonderful. And you better not forget it. And I'm going to, you know, or other people are like, wow, thanks. That's so nice of you. You're wonderful, too. Oh, thanks. You know, that's kind of more of like what we're trying to get at. But but Joseph Smith knew that people loved there are some people that would do anything for him if he gave them power a piece of the, his power. And so he's like, you're a president, you're a 70, you're a bishop, you're a, you know, you're a president. You know, that word president is all over the place in the Mormon hierarchy and Mormon religion. You know, the kids, the kids become presidents of the primary, or not the primary, sorry, but the, and, 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 uh, and it's also funny to look at the gender roles too, because they, you never see actually see a, a male pre- primary president. It's always a woman um, as a primary president who is over, like seeing over like the little kids, you know, from zero to how old? Six, I think, seven. I don't know the ages, but um, anyway. So that's just an interesting fact. Like, why don't you have a men a man be asked to be the primary president ever, or be in a primary presidency as a counselor? in this, you know, this, uh, thing. So anyway, it's just, it's just wild. It's, it's not, it's not a place of equality. And maybe from hearing this concept somewhere along the line, someone would be like, oh yeah, let's do that. And then they do it and they're like, see, we're all about equality because we listen to an ex-Mormon podcast about better ways, how to trick people into thinking we're equal. (laughs) Oh my God, it's so cool. But no women apostles, okay? There's not going to be any women apostles. There's not going to be any women 70s. There's not going to be any of that crap going around. And we are going to just keep it this way. But on the local level, when everyone's local yokels and they're all just doing shit for free, eh, you know, we'll just we'll just kind of like shorten church from three hours to two. We'll like, you know, we'll change the temple rituals a little bit so the women aren't promising to swear their allegiance to their husband, but they're swearing to God. You know, we'll just kind of snip, snap, clippity clap, fix the little shit, and there, there's that. So anyway, but back to the lab coats, back to the elite. So you, you give someone the feeling that they're like, okay, I'm special, but not just special. Like, you know, your teacher would tell you at school to get you to do your homework. You are special, special. Like you are here for some insane intergalactic purpose that will be revealed to you if you go to this holy temple and you're like, whoa, this is big. And you're like, yeah, this is really big, you know? 
And <laughs> my voice just took a, a dive there. That's funny. Ugh. So I, I just think it works so well because now I laugh, like laugh all the time. And I'm so glad I can do it. I can laugh at myself finally forever wanting so badly to be a bishop, so badly to be a zone leader on a mission or an assistant to the president of a mission. Oh my God, how cool would that be? Oh, I just would love that power. And you're just like, what are you doing? Why do you want this? You know, and you're like, I am special and I have this special mission. I have a patriarchal blessing. It's going to teach me how to do crazy shit. Once I die, you're just like, bro, bro, stop, stop. And it's just so hard to get out of this train of thought, you know, and, and, it, and it took a long time for me to even just get to a point like this to talk this freely about it and admit I wanted to be a bishop a really a lot. I wanted to be a bishop so bad and a stake president and a 70 and an apostle because that was just... I was like, I am a gift. I took this to heart. I am just, I am special and I am great with people and I can just do this. And, and you know, it just, it, when I say bad, Mormonism was really bad for me, I really, really mean it was really, really bad for me. And, um, but I think that's a little bit of what we see. And I think I watched the Michael Jordan, uh, Michael Jordan documentary on, on Netflix, and it was fascinating. It just blew my mind. I loved watching this documentary series. Michael Jordan has always been one of my favorite people. Like, he's in a Looney Tunes movie. He is like, he is a perfect build. He's a beautiful person, like, beautiful looking. He's very charismatic. He's, he's funny. He's nice. He's, he's just like, He's really good at basketball, like, and he, I always, I watched him, like, when they were, like, going at it with the jazz, you know, because I was living in Utah at the time, and that was just everything, you know, my mom, she was so funny, because she would just come in, and she's like, all right, jazz game is on, and we're like, okay, and we all go down to the basement, we, like, flip on the jazz game, and there's the Bulls, and I'm like, you know what? Carl Malone just is not doing it for me, but Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen are my heroes. They're so cool. They're so cool. And then you have Jen Dennis Rodman, and you're like, why is he so freaking weird? Like, why is he so fucking weird? And But you're like, okay, it's Dennis, you know? He's the rebound king. He's just getting that ball every single time, you know? And it's just so fun. I mean, that was the most exciting time of the NBA, I swear, to just that made me want to play basketball. I was like, I will go play basketball, and um, and that's me speaking, right? Like, I don't, I hate basketball now. Like, I, I was like, this is not my sport, man. You know, this just didn't, it didn't click with me, actually playing it. But watching it was so fun to see, uh, to see Michael Jordan play, and obviously like Scottie Pippen. And Dennis Rodman, those three were just like this love triangle I had. I was like, I love you guys so much. You know, you are every, you are, you are spectacular people. And it's so fun to see spectacular people. Anyway, so I watched this documentary and I was, I was just really trying to, you know, dive into Michael Jordan, who he was, what made him tick, because he really 
fascinated me and he really inspired me. And I just thought, oh, this is going to be so fun to hear what Michael Jordan has to say. And, um, and I loved to see everything that was going on in his life. And, and it was just wild. You know, this, it's like, this is, this is just all happening. This is real. And that was happening to me when I was a kid. And so it was just supercharging. And I think Michael Jordan made people believe in themselves so strongly, believe in like the craftsmanship of, of getting better at your thing, you know, improve, improve, and then fight for it and drive for it. And I watched Space Jam so much. <laughs> so I was like, he's a movie star, you know, he's just this incredible person. And one thing that really kept that guy going and, and wanting and reaching so hard was the, to be the best. He's like, I want to be the best basketball player in the world. And you're like, whoa, that is such... And, he's, and he was, and he became the best basketball player in the world. So when you see someone that wants something that big and then they get it, you're like, you know, it's like Walt Disney building Disneyland or like, you know, like just someone getting to... Mount Rushmore, like the top of Mount Rushmore with no oxygen and no shirt on. You're just like, you are wanting the craziest thing right now. And you got it. Like you actually got it. And it's just such, it was so fun to see that that was like a huge part of like what inspired me as a kid. I tried to do like the jump shots like him, like float, you know, like a try and run and float and like take the ball from side to side and then still get it in. I never would, you know, cause I was not good at basketball, but he just, he just made me want to do something with myself. And it was so cool. But the problem I see with Michael Jordan wanting that, like however inspiring it is to me uh, to watch someone do that. Like I can't imagine what he went through to, to, to get that right? He, he's just a person. He's just a human being. Like he's not basketball is a team sport, by the way. It's not, it's not like golf where he's like, you are the best person. And that it's only you that is playing that game. You know, he is not the best golfer in the world. He is the best basketball player in a team sport. So therefore he could never have become who he was without Scottie Pippen, without Dennis Rodman. I'm super convinced of that because they all, they, well, anyway, whatever. Maybe they would have found someone else, maybe whatever, because you can't, you know, you can't, you couldn't stop Michael Jordan. He was just like, nope, this is what I want, and I'm going to get it, and I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, and this is my life. And you're like, okay, he wants it, everybody. So let's, let's make it happen. And, um, but I feel like that same level of kind of like elitism, right? Like I'm the best. Like I started to get to see kind of the, 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 the tainted, the darker side of Michael Jordan's desire to be the best uh, come out in the documentary. I saw that come out in him. Uh, the, the full picture of him was, was getting painted for me. And I was like, oh, okay. So... Mm, so he wasn't really nice 
to his teammates. Oh, that's not very cool. Okay, he talked a lot of smack. Okay, I don't really like that. Um, he's gambling a lot. Okay, well, that's... He's always trying to prove that he's better than everyone and everything all the time. And that just... That would just kind of wear me out, you know, if I was around him. But I feel like it's it's just like that's what happens, right, when you take that. Because there was no doubt that there were other better... There were other great basketball players at the same time. Patrick Ewing, Reggie Miller. They're, they're just huge stars. Larry Bird. All these people that were so good at basketball just didn't want what Michael Jordan wanted, I think, nearly as badly, right? It was so personal on a deep, the, such a deep cellular level that his very existence depended on him becoming the best. And regardless of who he pissed off, regardless of who, whatever, he was, he was going to get that. And I, and I think that that is really, really freaking unhealthy. I love Michael Jordan so much, but I really wish that that wasn't the way it had to be for him to become the best basketball player in the world. I really wish he would have been able to not, you know, have that darker side of him. But the other side of it too is that so what, right? Like, at it might, and they did go over that. It's like so what? Like he doesn't have a gambling problem. He just likes to gamble. He likes to play these games. Okay, all right, that's true. Um, what is so wrong with him? You know, liking to hit the golf course all the time. What what is so wrong with like this quote unquote dark side of him? And you know, I'm like, yeah, that's true too. So my like, I can't totally freaking. <laughs> crack that nut, right, of, like, figuring out who Michael Jordan is and was he okay, was it right for him to want to be the best in the world at all costs or whatever, and, I mean, but, but Jesus, he didn't kill anyone to get it, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't like anything, at least I don't know about, but it wasn't anything that, that's severely, like, ridiculous, right, he didn't, he didn't, like, get into the mines and give people poison and he didn't, like, he didn't, you know, so, so this church, right? So this church is, is that they went beyond what Michael Jordan did to become the best. They want to be the best religion in the world at all costs. It doesn't matter what kids suffer from this shit. It doesn't matter what's going on in their lives. It, what matters is that they are the biggest, baddest, best in the world. That's what matters to them. That is their MO. That's what keeps them going. Because if they're not, they have nothing. So they think. To just be forgotten as a religion that turned out to be not what they thought it was because they were all born into it too. And then it's just kind of forgotten like all the other religions, like all the other basketball players who ever lived, who really made something of themselves, but then they slowly get folded into the pages of history and you don't know who they were. You can't place their names. But man, Michael Jordan, everyone freaking... 
I'm starting to meet some people, though, that are like, who's that? I'm like, okay, what? Like, you don't know who Michael Jordan is? Like, you gotta be crazy. So, um, but like, I, it would be super cool, though, to like one day be like, oh, the Mormons? Yeah, dude, that, that religion, that religion was quite a really tough, tough one, but we all figured it out. You know, it was just, it was just harboring a lot of money. A lot of money, and it, it got a lot of people, really, several people wealthy, and they they really just liked it, so they wanted to keep it alive, but it turns out that they were hurting people, and those people were starting to get more and more uh, vocal, and then they started Facebook pages, they started groups and podcasts, and they started to really... Um, expose this thing the way it should have been exposed before Joseph Smith was killed. Um, but, you know, it didn't. So here it is. Like, how cool would that be for me to tell my kids or grandkids to be like, yeah, I was actually, you know, I was born into that thing. It's like, what? Wow. Like, how weird, you know, that 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 thing ever existed. You're like, yeah, I know, right? Like, it, it's just bizarre to me. And, uh, uh, that would be that would be a lovely ending to all this chaos that would be so cool but uh you know whatever i don't care i don't care if it ever happens but it's fun it's in my mind now it's like a little fantasy a little fantasy land i can go to and be like huh wow remember the time when i thought it was okay to really want to be a bishop remember that like when i wanted to work for free for someone for 20 hours plus a week. Remember that? Man, that was that, those are some good times. And you clink your beers and you laugh about it and you just you just have one or two beers because it's fun. And you think isn't that so funny that we 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 never had this ability to just connect over a beer, you know? Just grab a beer and laugh and talk shoot the shit because life is hard sometimes and we just need this but remember when we couldn't even do this like yeah man i remember that man it's just so funny right like it's like a prohibition prohibition never ended in uh in uh, american religion you know they didn't learn their lesson <laughs> it's just like just get a beer bro like chill out like you know, if you start abusing alcohol, start talking to a therapist and get it back under control or don't use it if it hurts you. That's fine. But man, for those of us, it doesn't hurt, but only gives us a good time. Then back away from the, the beer, you know, get away from the liquor. It's it's uh, it's not what you're doing. It's how you're doing it. And you are doing it wrong. If you're abusing alcohol, get away from it. If you're not abusing it, it's not a slippery slope. It's not a slippery slope. The slippery slope is believing that substances, some, I, I, well, I draw the line here, okay? There are sub-substances that are definitely designed, like illegal drugs, to, to pull you in. But I would say over-the-counter drugs, too. But I'm just saying that, like, that, but more often, it's, I would agree with, like, the thought, the train of thought, that it's, it's not the, it's not, the drug, it's the abuse 
of the victim of the drug. Like it's, it's what's going on causing the person to want to turn to a drug that more than it is the drug itself. Like there's always going to be a drug. There's always going to be an access to some way to numb or escape. Like the, the fact is what the question should be asked is why are they going to this? And let's solve that. Let's not rip these drugs out of people's hands and be like, no, no, no. Or don't you dare drink another alcoholic drink in your life. You just say, look, you can keep drinking. Let's work on why you're drinking so much or, you know, uncontrollably. And chances are people don't want to do this stuff. It's they want to be happy. And let's work on that. What, what can make you happy? What can you change? And I think, I'm sure that this is like super common, but this is very uncommon for a Mormon, a raised Mormon, ex-Mormon, who is trying to grasp, grasp the concept of alcohol abuse. When I had just started drinking, I've just only been drinking alcohol for like three years. So I'm like, well, I mean, if you just don't get hooked on it, I don't know what to say. <laughs> just don't move, go to alcohol because we all can see just time and time again, all of the bad stuff that happens to you if you abuse it, just don't abuse it. And I, I, I need to be more aware of how black and white I think of, of alcohol as well. And, um, but we, oh, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother ball of wax. Holy shit. I'm not going to go into that. I'm going to talk about alcohol and smoking and, you know, coffee. I'm going to talk about that in another episode. That, <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Oh, that's ridiculous, man. Just to, oh, never mind. I'm going to stop that. But so just, I think that when we have all of this going on in our minds about we want to be the best, we want to be someone, we want to be great, we want to discover and make a breakthrough and set our name in the history books. We want our faces on the money. We want our faces on the wall somewhere and somewhere else. We want to be a household name, you know, like I want to be a huge actor because everyone would then give me fame and glory and respect and free stuff and opportunities galore. I would be able to travel everywhere. You know, you want this power for different reasons. And for me, like, I want to be a famous actor because I want to work with amazing people who all are trying to not give in into mediocrity, into allowing, just giving in to the world sucking and nothing is going to be done about it. I want to spend time with people that are acting against that and saying, no, like, we are going to change this world and I'm going to do it with my vulnerability in front of this camera. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I, I, what it takes, put me naked. I don't, I'm going to do what it takes to, to pump this world full of vulnerability and change and love. Like this is this, I'm going to do this, you know, and that's kind of like what drives me to be an actor is that level of, of, of just, I don't know, that you don't give up. Like the, the acting spirit just is one that just doesn't give up. 
and it always is trying to bring happiness. And this is the way I look at acting. Like, it's so fun to make people laugh. It's so fun to make an idea come to life and and have people look at it and laugh at it and be like, wow, or think deeper about it or change their opinions or views. Maybe they're being way racist and you get to be able to share an hour and a half with them in a movie and help them see how being racist is a really bad idea and it doesn't bring out the best in this world and doesn't bring them what they want in their life. That's what I love about acting. That's what I love about film. That's what I've been dying to explore. But this religion has completely, completely raped my vision of why I wanted to be an actor. Completely beat it up, tied it up, threw it in the back of a Buick, and off we go. Where? What is happening? Oh, well, we hear you want to be a filmmaker, so we got to treat you like totally different. You're like, oh, no. Oh, yes. You you chose the wrong thing. Now, we do have an option for you, okay? If you want to do filmmaking, we have have our own little film studio here uh, that's owned by this church that you can try and work in, okay? You can try and make uh, scripture movies. Which you did, okay, so I was in scripture movies i was uh I was in four films that were all based from no one from the Bible, the rest from the Book of Mormon. I played I had a speaking role in some of them i I sang, I danced, and I built sets for these movies, okay, so I really got a taste of what this Mormon religion was trying to give me even though I, it would never lead to a career that would actually change the world, it would just lead to a career that would just be like always underfunded or non-funded because no one gives a fuck about the Book of Mormon and frankly now I'm, everyone sees it as a fraud anyway and it's ridiculous. So, but, but from there, you can also be in these Bible movies that we're making... And we're going to show the world how great we are because we have a deeper understanding of the Bible. And we're going to produce these Bible movies that are so special. And you could be a part of that. You really could if you want to. Um, But for you to go to Hollywood, for you to go and get into maybe a, a Tarantino movie or... Oh, I don't know. Universal Studios. You were trying to actually be in these movies that would be a little edgy or really edgy, rated R. You definitely, the prophet has said, don't watch rated R movies. So therefore, if you are in a rated R movie, okay, or you work on the production side of a rated R movie, we're going to have problems because you're going to have problems. I, I'm completely innocent here. I'm trying to give you a, 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 a help. I'm trying to help you here. Okay. I'm trying to help you see that you don't want what you think you want because you're going to then be working in movies that are prohibited by God. God doesn't want anyone to be watching rated R movies. 
So there's that. Now, now that I've given you a serious talk, a serious assistance, uh, of dodging of a bullet, if you will, I'm going to help you see how I'm going. I'm helping you here. I'm going to divert you away from what you actually really want to do to make you think you want to do this other thing, which I'm laying out for you here, to work on Mormon productions, family-friendly, try and maybe get in with Disney or Pixar. These are the things that will make for a perfect Mormon and be able to allow God to give you a life that you that you. Well, I know you want it, but this is kind of God's way of of giving you a freebie, okay? He doesn't want you to work in entertainment because it's so dangerous for your testimony. So what he'll give you is Pixar. He'll give you Disney. He'll give you, I don't know, maybe DreamWorks. They still kind of, you know, Shrek doesn't really sit well with me. Uh, They have some jokes about penises or whatever. So I don't really think DreamWorks would be working for a Mormon. But if you want to work in the film industry, definitely, definitely, it's all coming to me now. Go try and get in with Disney. Try and get in with Pixar. It's all going to be so great for you. Okay. All right. Great. Well, I'm glad that I saved your life. Aren't you so happy that I take the time out of my miserable life to give you pointers on how to enjoy the miserable life God's trying to give you, but you're, you're really being a tough cookie here and you're making it hard for God to speak to you, but he spoke to me in my dreams last night. That's why I called you today. Thank you so much. Uh, even though I have nothing that I can give you, I can't even hook you up with anyone at Disney. I can't help you with making any connections at Pixar. I don't know what I'm personally doing, but you know. I'm working in the art department at, um, you know, the Motion Picture Studio in Provo, Utah, and I'm just uh, brushing the wigs. I, I brush wigs. That's what I do. But I, I just want to make sure you know that there's always a place for you at the LDS Motion Picture Studio to brush wigs for the upcoming uh, Jesus Bible film, okay? And it's going to roll out. It's going to be really great. And there's always there's always this stuff, you know. We're always filming uh, things to promote this religion because it's beautiful. It's just it's just glorious. Um, so keep my card. I know I'm not looking. I don't look happy because I'm not. But I want you to know that you're going to be far less, far unhappier, how do I say that? Less happy than I am now if you were to try and actually go and do what you want to do, okay? So, yeah, I have other friends that just, you know, they figured it would be easier to just let go of their film dream altogether, and they've kind of lost their minds, but, you know, they got through law school, and they're attorneys, and they don't care about their job, and they're really they're really suffering. So at least I at least I feel good that I get to brush wigs for the upcoming uh, Bible films uh, here at the LDS Motion Picture Studio than being like you know an attorney that hates his job but had to go through all that school to find out that he hates his job. I mean that guy's got it really tough, am I right? But at least I've got this really shitty job that I'm doing what I want to do. 
you know? I mean, isn't that, doesn't that sound so depressing? Man, wow, I was on a character run there, and so I'm back now. This is Johnny. I was channeling all these people in my mind that gave me all these bad advices to do. Basically, they were really trying to get you to be able to be a Mormon and be a creative. And it's a very, very, very Frodo Baggins, Samwise Gamgee, destroy the ring situation. You know, you're on a mission to do something that's like freaking impossible to you, right? Because I don't want to work at Disney. I don't want to work on fluffy Fluffy baby candy, cotton candy shit. I want to work on things that are going to be a part of the change in society. I want to... No, 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 no. None of this, oh my God. Like, we're going to figure this out. And we figure it out so easy. Oh my God, and we're so happy. We get married. We always get married at the end of these movies. Because happiness always ends with a wedding. You're like, what? get married oh my god you're just like no and I think Disney and Pixar are definitely working on getting away from this whole like you know fantasy of meeting the one and then the end of the movie uh, the whole drama plays out on whether or not they should even get married instead of playing out the whole drama of whether or not these people should even be people together and then after they're together how that plays out and like you know, it's just really ridiculous. So, I mean, as a Mormon, I was really afraid to watch anything on TV like The Office or Parks and Recreation or uh, this other Modern Family. Oh, my God. I was afraid to watch Modern Family. And now that I'm not Mormon and I'm drinking coffee and I'm watching whatever I want, whatever I want, I'm just saying, hey. Modern Family. I've always been afraid of this one. Uh, it was supposed to be a bad movie or a bad show because they deal with things that are unbecoming of a good Mormon. So I like pop it on and I'm like watching it and it's like, oh, well, this is actually really funny and very pertinent to life. You know, like this is really str- like this is weird struggles that that everyone could really learn something from and it's really funny and you have just this cast of of a full variety of like a same sex same gender couple having a like adopting a baby to like an older dude that marries a young Lat- uh, latina and she's funny as hell and then they have a baby but then his kids are grown with their kids and they're all just getting all over the place and it's so fun to watch just like a very, yeah, anyway, it, I can't believe just like how homophobic I was as a Mormon. You're just so homophobic. Like, don't you dare, don't you dare talk about homosexuality and it's wrong, okay? And you're like, why is it wrong? And don't you dare talk like that. You know, Johnny, like one day you might be gay. And I'm like... I'm not gay. I just do perform like I'm a good performer. I can I can hear something and produce it out of my mouth. I can mimic things however shitty it is. I that's what I like to do. I enjoy it. 
I like talking with a little list because it's fun. It like lightens it up. And it's like, oh my God, who's this guy, you know? But it doesn't mean I have to now fundamentally change my gender identity and my gender attraction just because I sound a certain way. And that's, that is ridiculous for people to be like, think it's that simple that people that are in the LGBTQ plus community, that simple of people. They are just, they're just, they're just faking it. They're looking for, they're just looking for attention. Okay. They're trying to make things difficult. They're just, they're just not going into the program because we all have things we need to get up, give up. We all have things we need to settle with. Okay. This is just another act of just ridiculousness and they need to stop it. You're like, dude, dude, have you ever even thought outside your box? No, you haven't. Because Satan is there waiting for you, right? You're told there's a, there's a demon outside your box. And it's like, and if you think outside of this box, the demon's going to be like, yum, 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 yum. I'm going to get you. Any critical thoughts, right? Any critical thinking, yum, 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 I'm going to eat you alive. Oh, no. Yep, yeah, yeah, it's a dangerous world out there. Oh, like the time I thought I could do it without the Lord. And this and this happened, and that and that happened. And you're like, okay, can I get that verified? Can we make sure that you're just not like, you know, like blaming people for things that you're not willing to face yourself? Like you're just finding all these scapegoats in your life. And that's, that's kind of like the explanation behind this devil outside of the box you thought. Anyway, so it's, it's super complicated, but... Life's already complicated enough, and then you add this crazy religion onto it, and it is like, woo! Like, go for it, man. Like, just, I hope, honest to God, I hope, if if you're born into that religion that you don't have dreams, that you don't do the arts, that you're not, that you're not in any way gender, like, have no confusion about your gender being straight. Like, you, I mean, oh my God. Like, if you just will please be born the way they want you to be born, you'll probably have a a pretty good life, right? You'll probably have a pretty good life. You watch BYU... TV, you laugh at all the Studio C jokes, you are, you know, you're going to the football games and you're getting mad at University of Utah, uh, you you got to have this rivalry, and you care about Iraq because that's where the bad people are who blew up the World Trade Centers, you know, that's... Those are the things that really make just a great Mormon who will vote for Mitt Romney and now vote for Trump. You know, if you just if you just do those things, you'll probably have just like a nice, boring, ridiculous life. And it'll be great. It's not it's just it's just insane. It's just insane because the people that are not born the right way experience so much terrible trauma from the, from not being the right way from birth and 
what's problematic about this is that you can then say, hmm, well, if you read stories from the old prophets, they will say that based on your like valiant <laughs> faith in the pre-earth life as a spirit, you... <laughs> You were born a certain way. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, my God. Like, so you're saying that my boringness and willingness to comply to everything that's, that's white and, and straight and, and just, and, and like, American conservative is because I was a valiant person in a spirit realm? Yes. Oh, lordy, I'm so lucky. And then you say, well, I'm... But then you say to the person that's black, I'm sorry, brother, but you just were not worthy or valiant enough in the pre-existence, in the pre-earth life to get white skin. I'm sorry. I'm just so sorry. I know, I know, God has a mysterious white supremacist way about him. He, he loves, he loves to hurt people with black and dark skin. I don't know why. It's, it's, I know why now though, thanks to the gospel. Because the gospel explains that you were not as faithful as me. Therefore... Therefore, 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 I have, you have my pity, and I will look upon you with the, the utmost level of joy if I see you being at the temple or doing things that the Lord asks you to do, because you will hopefully one day get the white skin that everyone else has that were faithful. You know, you're just like, Okay, so can we just stop being racist, please? Because this is ridiculous. And they're like, we can't stop being racist because it's in our books. It's in our prophets' words. And these prophets are God's mouthpieces. So God's not going to be up there playing the tuba with the wrong mouthpiece, you know. He's not going to be like... He's going to use the proper mouthpieces to to play his tuba music. (laughs) Like, what the... Oh, my Lord, dude. And I just... mm, mm, mm. So, okay, so this is all about elitism. It's all about, you know, if you think you're better than another person, Mormonism will definitely love you. They will... It will support you in such ridiculous ways. And before you know it, your ego will be out the roof to another planet because the big cell is that you're going to be a polygamous god yourself one day if you if you follow all the rules and you do well through all of your trials and tribulations is that when you're dead you get to be a god <sighs> you get to be a god that's a big deal that would make it all worth it right that would make it worth it waking up Sunday morning every day for the rest of your life to go to three hours of church. That would make it worth it 
to be in all of these crazy ass things they tell you to do and finding your family history and looking for these dead people, that would make it worth it because I'm going to be a god one day. Great. So if you think you are amazing, the Mormons can help you get even more amazing and give you a planet of your own. Okay. So not many people get their own planets. Okay. But the people who do get their own planets also get to have their families forever. So just so you know, but even though you can't totally bank on other people making the same righteous quote decisions as you, you get shafted because you did all the work and yet your kids did not do all the work and now you don't get the family that you worked for, (laughs) for the afterlife. (laughs) You just wrecked your relationship with them on earth and then you all die. It's like, why are you wrecking these relationships? Because you're so upset that you don't get to be a god one day and be family forever. Why don't you just be a family now? Why don't you stop caring about your kids smoking or your kids skateboarding or if they're if they if they're atheists or if they get tattoos or if they whatever, like why don't you just stop caring about all of that exterior things because there is a chance your religion is not real. And how sad would that be to realize that one day that you worked so hard at not connecting on the on a very deep level with your children. How sad would that be? Like that's that is the scariest shit I can think of and I'm so glad that this all happened before much longer. So I could see what what the hell was going on before I had to get the kids to yet another church activity or yet another seminary, early morning seminary lesson, or before I had to get them on missions or married in temples. I just am like, oh, oh, we can all just wake up late on Sunday morning and play video games and eat candy together. Oh, I don't have any meetings to go to. I don't have anyone else to take care of but you little kids. Oh, wow, what a great deal. And then the chances are hopefully that in the future they'll be like, dude, we have a great relationship. Let's hang out. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You guys have no problem with me. Like, I mean, how cool. How cool. But I mean, there's obviously stresses and pressures of like being in a society, like expectations of, you know, go to school and, you know, learn things and and learn things about yourself and how you fit into this world. And, you know, you have to do that for like survival. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, so wow, a whole lot of thoughts about elitism and making your ego just packed with the punch and power. Um, Remember to always tip your waitresses, but obviously you need to change the laws in America so waitresses actually get uh, a wage <laughs> and then they don't rely on tips. Please, can we can we get that in the uh can we get that in the airwaves over there? Okay. America, stop paying your waitresses on tips. Just pay them. 
for serving people food and cleaning up after people. Okay, let's stop that game. Anyway, that's another thought from me coming to you from my butt. Thank you so much for listening, and (laughs) it's great to be alive. Oh, I feel so good. Have a good one, and we'll see you on the next episode.